from the epistle of Peter, his first, chapter 5, and the first five verses. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. As we seek to get context for the passage today, I think that it's worth going back to the Gospel of John. And I would encourage you to turn to the Gospel of John, the 21st chapter. Because I think this event stands behind the Apostle Peter's words that we read today. As you know, the Gospel of John chapter 21 is the story after Jesus has been crucified, after he has been rejected, or not rejected, but abandoned by his disciples, including the Apostle Peter. And then he is raised three days later, and he appears to the disciples. The 21st chapter involves a special uh, conversation that Jesus has with the Apostle Peter. And these are the words that we find in John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is the last conversation that we have recorded with Peter and his Lord Jesus. And I think it is very interesting. Uh, A couple things. First is Jesus knows that his earthly ministry is now coming to its completion and he is about to ascend into heaven. He is our chief shepherd as we saw last week. We see his concern for the feeding and the caring of his sheep in this conversation. Three times he tells Peter, feed my sheep. This tells us that as Jesus is is transitioning to the next stage of his ministry and giving the ministry now to the apostles to go forward and eventually then to elders, that he is concerned for the flock. He does not want his flock to be sheep without a shepherd. And so he charges Peter intimately and strenuously with with the repetition three times, Feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep. 
And of course, this uh, impresses upon Peter too because he recognizes that, the, that, that Jesus wants to know, do you love me? And when, when Peter says, yes, I love you, what does that mean to Jesus? It means that if you love me, you will feed and take care of my sheep. You see, Peter is seen in this, in this threefold repetition, the fusion between loving Jesus, following Jesus as a leader, and loving Jesus' people, caring for the sheep. These two are brought together inseparably in Peter's mind. As Peter writes his letter, the first uh, letter of Peter, he also is now at the end of his life. He is probably within 18 to 36 months from martyrdom, and he can see it. He can see the writing on the wall, the persecutions and the sufferings that are, are ahead for him. He knows that he has his end in front of him, and as he is writing this letter to these churches that he has shepherded and cares for, he comes to the fifth chapter and begins to focus on how they will be cared for when he departs. And his concerns are so conformed to Christ that his concern for the flock that he is going to be leaving behind is the same that he heard from his Lord. The sheep need to be fed The sheep need to be shepherded. And so he makes this important appeal for shepherding in the churches of God. When we see it being Christ's concern at the end of the the Gospel of John, when we see it at the end of Peter's epistle, we recognize the strong importance and emphasis that the Bible places on good shepherding in the church. And so convinced of those sorts of things and and convicted of those things, the elders got together several months ago to work out the core values of our church. And we came up with a list of core values. Today, we're only going to deal with one of those, but they will be kind of the first fruits of of more that will come later. But we recognized as we we sought what is uh, important about a church that does its job well and convinced of these sorts of things, we recognized that shepherding needs to be a core value of this church. And so we are going in this sermon to work through what it means for a shepherding ministry to be fulfilled in our midst. And we're going to work through that text, the text today to see that. The purpose of your elders is what I, I want you to get. I want you to hear the heart of your elders. Their purpose in making shepherding a core value is that we want all of you to experience a vibrant, healthy faith through a church that cares for you, through biblical shepherding. How important is the church to your walk? How important is is your connection and relationship uh, to the church in the, the sense of strength of your faith or your closeness to Jesus? I bet you for many of us, we we sit and we pause and there's a gap between being part of a church and and being a Christ follower in our lives. A part of that is because I think we have misunderstood a lot of what we are called to be. But another part of that, I think, is probably because very few of us have experienced a church that is so vital to our faith that we can't afford to be separated from it. We can't afford to miss it. And it is that idea, that false idea, that very dangerous idea that your elders at this church want to throw out 
and appeal to you that being part of a of a church and receiving the shepherding care that God wants for you to have is a very critical, essential part of experiencing what the gospel wants you to have for allowing you to walk in the assurance of your faith, for you to grow into maturity. And so I hope as we go through this passage today and unveil how this core value uh, looks, that you will renew yourself to being part of this church. Last week, we set the context by by looking at at verse 4 of this passage in detail, which tells us that Jesus is our chief shepherd. And we recognize that as as the chief shepherd, we all live uh, under his care because of his, his, his character, his care for us, and his crown is all attached to him shepherding us. But as we recognize that he is the chief shepherd, the question comes to us, How do we experience the care of the chief shepherd? How is the chief shepherd caring for us day to day? And I think then we have to really recognize that in the word chief, he means for us to recognize that he is overseeing, giving the church under shepherds. And it is through the under shepherds that much of our chief shepherd's care comes. And so that is why Peter spends this time speaking to the under-shepherds of the church. How does a congregation experience God's shepherding care? How do, they, how do they experience that care that we talked about last week? I believe our text is going to take us through how we experience that care by showing us three commitments that are, are part of a, of a strong shepherding care in a local congregation. And we're going to look at those in order. The first one is... Shepherding care requires elders that are committed to being shepherds. Elders are, uh, elders are committed to being shepherds. Look with me again at the, at the first four verses of this text. The first three, actually. We are told, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Peter, as he comes to this end of this letter, he recognizes that for the church to be cared for, elders must be committed to being shepherds. Why? Why is elders' commitment to shepherding so important to the care of the flock? Peter's letter gives us two reasons. First, it's the elders' mandate. And second, it's the elders' heart. As we talk about the elders' mandate, we see very clearly in verse 2 that elders are to be shepherds. Look carefully again at at, uh, verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God. That's the commandment. Shepherd the flock of God. That is addressing the elders. And elders is in the Greek, the word presbyters, which is where we get the name Presbyterian. And so as you can imagine, being Presbyterian is is kind of important in a Presbyterian church. And so here we are uh, recognizing why we are called Presbyterian. Because we are led by elders. And the elders that lead us are called to be shepherds. Shepherd, the flock of God, is in the imperative. 
This is a command from the holy apostle. Shepherd the flock of God. It's not a suggestion. It is an expectation for the elders to be shepherds. And so when uh, Peter is commanding the, the elders to be shepherds, he is commanding them to that fourfold care that we saw was typical of shepherds from last week. A shepherd is to know the sheep, is to teach the sheep, is to lead the sheep, and is to protect the sheep. This is, comes out of the text as we look at when uh, Peter says, know the sheep, he uses this phrase, the flock among you. The flock among you is a known flock. It's a particular flock. He is talking about a local church, a local congregation. He is recognizing that elders exist among the flock. Just like a shepherd exists among the flock, that is where you see your elders in your midst. And this being in the midst of the flock means that elders as shepherds know their flock. They know them personally. They know them through real knowledge. And they know them by being visible to them. We are told uh, clearly shepherds feed the sheep. And so when Peter says to shepherd the flock, he is most necessarily saying that they are feeding the flock. And what is, what is the, the way that the elders feed the flock? By governing and, and, and protecting the ministry of teaching and preaching in this church. They are responsible for that. But shepherds are also supposed to lead. We see Peter making that very clear when he says in verse 3 that they are to be examples. The leadership of elders is a, a leadership that is one that we follow by watching, by seeing, by recognizing the example of godliness and Christlikeness. And finally, we see Peter has very much in mind the, part, the, the, the protecting part of shepherding. When he says in verse uh, 2 that they are to have oversight of the flock. Oversight is, is like the idea of, of a watchman. Someone that is looking over all of the flock, seeing threats on the horizon, seeing dangers, and making sure that they are all guided in safe directions. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says it this way, that the leaders of the church are keeping watch over your souls. That is the responsibility of the elder to shepherd by watching and protecting you from spiritual harm and spiritual danger. So that's the elder's mandate. They have, they have been commanded to be shepherds. But then second, they are committed to being shepherds because it reflects the elder's heart. The elder's heart is to shepherd because that's how they love. Go back to that conversation with Jesus and Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The elder's heart is a shepherding heart because that is how the elder loves God and loves the flock. We see this in, in Peter's text. He says in, in uh, verse 2, Listen to it carefully. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, 
as God would have you. The, the first reason that the elder shepherds is because they recognize that they are doing this as a service to God. Shepherding is showing love to God. It is obeying God and loving God. They recognize in, in, we recognize in that, in that uh, phrase that, that the flock is, is not our flock, right? The flock is God's flock. It's the chief shepherd's flock. And so we care for the flock as a way of showing our love for God. And so the first part of the elder's heart's act of love is towards God. But also we see that the love uh, that motivates the shepherd is for the flock. And we come to these two phrases in, in verse 3. Not under compulsion, oh, I'm sorry, I picked up wrong. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So as it says in, uh, actually in, in, in verse 2, I back up a little bit, sorry. Um, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain. As elders, shepherds are about loving the flock, not trying to use them, but trying to serve them. And as it says, not domineering them, they are not to be above them, but they are to be an example. That is, that is the heart of a shepherd. It is a heart of love for others, for the flock. The shepherd leads with the words, follow me. Right? Why do they say the words follow me? Because they are following the chief shepherd. They are an example of the flock to follow. So what does it look like when elders are committed to being shepherds? Again, I think Peter is providing an expert class in shepherding in that he himself exemplifies shepherding in the commands that he gives. In, this, in these five verses, he is shepherding the shepherds. We see that clearly in verse 1. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God. Peter shows those four attributes of a shepherd of knowing and teaching and leading and protecting as he counsels the elders. He speaks to them with knowing. When he says the word so, so I exhort you, he is saying because I know so well your challenges, I know so well what is on the horizon. He is connecting back to chapter 4, which, which describes a great testing, a great persecution that is uh, on the horizon. And he says, so I know this as a shepherd. I want you to shepherd the flock of God. He comes to them with knowing them and caring about them at a personal level. Second, we see him teaching these elders with gentleness. I mean, look at verse 1. He says, as a fellow elder. That's an amazing uh, humility being demonstrated through, through Peter. Is, is he just a fellow elder? No, he's an apostle. He has the right to command. But he puts himself with his elders by saying, as a fellow elder, just like one of you, I count myself as part of your group. And so he is approaching the elders with gentleness, teaching them not with overbearing, but teaching them by coming alongside. 
Third, he, he is leading by example. That's what the words, as a witness of Christ's suffering. Saying, I have witnessed Christ's suffering, and I am living, not afraid of Christ's suffering. And in all of that knowledge, I command you, please be a shepherd. And fourth, he is protecting his church and these shepherds with clear exhortation. He recognizes the, 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 the danger that may come to these shepherds, the danger that may come to this church, the testing that is ahead. And so he gives a clear exhortation, shepherd the flock of God. Shepherd the flock of God. Don't pull back. Don't Take this as a suggestion. Shepherd the flock of God. As you shepherd the flock of God, you secure the unfading crown of glory. Don't shrink back. And so he protects them from faltering with clear exhortation. So elders are to be committed to being shepherds. That is how the chief shepherd brings his care to the flock. What does all of this mean for a river? Where does it hit the road? Well, the elders have worked through, as I said, a list of core values. And we identified shepherding being one of those core values. And so this is how we articulate core value, uh, the core value of shepherding at River. We believe that caring for God's people involves every member being known personally, taught pastorally, led biblically, and protected spiritually. God calls this care shepherding. The elders at River are committed to making sure every household in our congregation has a shepherd personally caring for them. This is what the elders have committed themselves to, to shepherd. You see those four uh, attributes of shepherding. They seek to know personally. That means that we are committed to being relational. We are committed to a two-way conversation, to allowing you to know us and us knowing you. We also uh, mean to teach pastorally. That means that we seek to teach the Word of God to you in your situation in life, to teach you with truth and love. We are committed to leading you biblically, which means we want to provide scriptural wisdom and the setting of a godly example. We are committed to protecting you from spiritual dangers, i.e. we are committed to keeping you close to the chief shepherd. We are committed to pursuing you if you stray. We are committed to calling you to repentance if you are falling into sin, because we want your souls protected and close to the chief shepherd. How are we going to accomplish this core value? Well, that's what we have in that last phrase. The, the elders have committed themselves to making sure that every household has a shepherd personally caring for them. What this means is that our shepherds have, dis, have, have chosen each and every one of you in the congregation to say, I want to be your shepherd. I want to personally commit myself to the shepherding care of your household. And every member household in this church, it was a beautiful thing. Had our elders choose, you have been chosen by your elders to be cared for. 
when we were done saying who who is who is your flock and who is your flock and who is your flock there was no one left everyone has been chosen to be under the personal care of an individual shepherd one of our elders it was one of the most beautiful things that i have seen as a pastor you have been chosen to be shepherded i will share a little bit more on how this looks in a little bit later but first To make shepherding ministry really work, we have to look at the second commitment. Members are committed to being under care. Members are committed to being under care. And this is where we go uh, to the fifth verse. The fifth verse says these very simple words, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Who is the flock that the shepherd is responsible for? Uh, that's a very important understanding. Peter has an understanding that there is a flock and there is a shepherd, and that that is found in a, or, or that there are shepherds, and that is describing a local church. He is talking about the shepherds among you and the flock among you. So it is a particular part of the flock of God in a local congregation that is cared for by a group of shepherds. So who is the flock the shepherd is responsible for? He is responsible for that group of the flock that is in his midst. Which is to say we are talking about a local church. We are talking about the flock that are members of a local church. Peter is now speaking to the church, calling the members to be subject to the elders. I know that the word be subject is just one of the most wonderful uh, exhortations in Scripture. Submit yourself. I just love that when I come across those words. I know uh, that we bristle at those words. But I want you to see the heart of why we are called to be subject, why we are called to be committed to being under care. And why? Because we're sheep. I mean, you've already been insulted. The whole point is... We are sheep, myself included. That is what God calls us. We are sheep. As sheep, we are dependent. Sheep are dependent on being fed and led to prosper. Sheep need a shepherd. We don't find successful independent sheep out there. We only find successful sheep under the care of shepherds. Second, sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are very vulnerable. Sheep are herd animals. You know why sheep are in herds? Because on their own, they are in great danger. And we need to heed the great danger that, that uh, comes upon herd animals when they are by themselves. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The apostle Peter is telling you, here is a fact. You have an adversary, a scary, terrifying adversary, a roaring lion. And his purpose in this world, his desire in this world is to devour you. He is seeking someone. That's singular. He loves when a sheep gets away from the flock because that's one that he has the opportunity to devour. 
I went on Google Images to, uh, to see lions capturing prey. I just searched that on, on Google, and I brought up the images, and they'll give you hundreds and thousands of, of lions getting their, their prey. They can get zebras, they can get sheep, they can get goats, they can get all kinds of things. But here's the thing I saw in absolutely every picture. It was one lonely animal, and the lion was having his way. There wasn't a single picture of the lion in the middle of the herd, grabbing the sheep, grabbing the goat, grabbing the ox, right out of the herd. The way that the lion succeeds is separating the sheep from the herd, the animal from the herd. And that is where the lion finds success. Lions hunt the ones outside the herd. You can see this uh, poignantly in the last uh, days of Jesus. When they struck the shepherd, what happened to all of the disciples? They scattered. They scattered, and they did terribly cowardly things. Peter denied Jesus three times to a servant girl. We are vulnerable and weak. When the shepherd is struck and the sheep scatter, we are in danger. The reverse of that is then when we are gathered and under the care of the shepherd, we are strong and we are protected. That is the exhortation. Drifting is such a dangerous thing for Christians. I want to exhort you, sometimes getting to church on Sunday morning, sometimes getting yourself into the flock is work. It's hard to get up. It's, just your, it's one of your mornings to yourself, and here you have to get up. But that drift can be so dangerous. It can set in a dangerous habit. And there is one person, I assure you, in this world that is keeping track, and that is the roaring lion. The more distance you place between vital involvement in the congregation, the more harm you are risking with the roaring lion. So sheep need to be under the care of their shepherds to survive. That's basic. So then the question I ask for you guys, how do we commit ourselves to shepherding care? Uh, we read a book called The Shepherd Leader by Timothy Whitmer, and he had this passage, which I would like to, to share. Uh, he said, On my visit to Nick's Besser Farm, I asked Mrs. Hare, the shepherd, what is the shepherd's most important tool? Of course, in my mind, I had the romantic idea of the shepherd's staff that he would use to gently retrieve a wandering sheep. Or perhaps it was the rod that was useful in beating off predators. Mrs. Hare's answer took me by surprise. She said clearly and without hesitation, the fence. The fence keeps the sheep from wandering away. She added that if there was no fence, the sheep would merely wander away. Very unromantic, just like this sermon. But very, very important. I know that you're eating vegetables today. I recognize that. I talked to one of my pastor friends. I said, you know, it's an important sermon, but it doesn't have a whole lot of sizzle in it. But that's okay. The vegetables are important. And these are, these are vegetables today, but I think uh, they'll give us the health that they promise us, right? The fence. The fence is the tool that allows the shepherd to provide their care. 
And so if the fence is so important, what does that translate into for us? That means making sure that we stay together as a flock. The shepherd cares and protects by keeping everyone in the flock. I mean, when Jesus came to the, to the great mass of people and he saw them uh, out on the, on, the, on the hills and the field, he was moved to compassion. He was, he was exercised inside. He was concerned as he looked at these people. Why? Because they were sheep without a shepherd. Your Savior knows that you need shepherds to look after you. And if you need shepherds to look after you, you must be committed to being in the fence, to staying together, to be vigilant about your participation in the local church, to value your membership. And so my charge from these words from Peter is to commit to being members through faithful attendance and make yourself willing to be shepherded. That is the way the care of the chief shepherd is going to be most profitably enjoyed and experienced. So we've seen that shepherding care requires elders to be committed to being shepherds. Second, that members are committed to being under care. And third, everyone is committed to being humble to each other. As Peter finishes his uh, exhortation in verse 5, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter ends this passage with a mutual call for humility. Whether you're a shepherd, whether you're a sheep, and let me just clarify this, everybody's a sheep. There are just sheep shepherds and sheep sheep. But there's sheep everywhere. I'm a sheep, everyone's a sheep. Some sheep, shepherd sheep, but that doesn't make them more than sheep. If that's a confusing statement for you, that's, that's okay. It's, it's true, though. We're all under the chief shepherd. So Peter ends this, this passage with a mutual call to humility, to the under-shepherds and to the sheep. Why? Why does he end here? Why is this so important? Why is shepherding the, the last main thing that he says in his letter? Because a shepherding church displays the gospel. That's the big deal. The shepherding church displays the gospel. You see, the gospel message is that the chief shepherd, the one who is the Lord of heaven, who is above all, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself to become a servant, to become a slave, to the point of dying on the cross. That is what the shepherd does for us. And so as we are a church committed to shepherding, we are a church committed to that same style of humility. A shepherding church demonstrates the mind of Christ which puts the interests of others above its own and exists not to be served, but to serve. That is what is in front of us, and it's a mighty challenge to be a shepherding church because it is so countercultural, and it is not easy. There is only one perfect shepherd, only one perfect shepherd. 
Unfortunately, none of the shepherds at River is that one. I hope I didn't humiliate anyone. But there's one perfect shepherd. So as we commit to be a shepherding church, we are committing to shepherding with imperfect shepherds. And we are committing to to, uh, shepherd sheep who are imperfect sheep. And so there's going to be a lot of annoyances. There's going to be a lot of frustrations. There's going to be a lot of false starts. But that is part of the commitment. We're going to work through all of those because our commitment is to be a shepherding church. I know that everyone in this room has stories of being disappointed by a pastor, by a shepherd. Deep disappointments, deep betrayals, small annoyances. I know I've only been here less than two years, but I am no fool. I know that I have let down as a shepherd individuals in this room. I go to bed last night. I didn't do that right. Wish I could put those words back in. Wish I could have said that then. So we are all dealing with imperfect shepherds. And I know that you could very well be carrying wounds. And hearing a a sermon about shepherds is, is bringing back those wounds. We admit as shepherds we fail. But I want to stress this, that your elders are excited to live out shepherding more intentionally But as intentional as we are and as hard as we strive, we will not be perfect. So I ask for you to expect frustrations and letdowns and misunderstandings, but to treat them like you treat them in a marriage. That first year of marriage, every single one of us said, what did I do when I said I do? Is Is there an escape hatch here? In that first year of marriage, there's so much trouble and confusion and missed expectations. But it's when that marriage hits year three, four, five, fifteen, twenty, that then you see the beautifulness of being yoked together in so many ways. Right now we are starting year one. I expect there will be some some uh, transitions, some iterations, some frustrations. But like marriage, don't measure by the moment, but by the trajectory. Your elders are committing to you to be your shepherds. But becoming good shepherds, the shepherds that you think you need, is going to be a journey uh, that we're all on. So, we call for your prayers. We call for your patience. We call for your grace. As we seek to give you the best shepherding care that we know how. And to commit to always improving uh, in that work. So in conclusion, as we, as we seek to unveil this core value of shepherding, we recognize that a congregation experiences God's shepherding care through these three commitments. By elders being committed to being shepherds, by members being committed to being under care, and by everyone being committed to being humble to each other. We do this because shepherding is the way God leads and cares for his people. Psalm 23 tells us the Lord is our shepherd. He he saves us through his son, Jesus, the good shepherd, who laid down his life for the sheep. And then through his spirit, appoints elders to be under shepherds in the church until Christ returns. Shepherding is God's idea. It is God's will. Therefore, at River, we are committed to shepherding every member of this flock. 
At this time, could I invite our elders to just come up and, and stand so that the flock amongst us can see the elders amongst you? Uh, we have six of them. If you could just stand in front of the table. Yeah, I, I'm standing. So these are, these are our elders. Uh, these are the men who have committed themselves to shepherding you out of a heart for your good, to draw you close to the Lord. And this is, this is what we came up with. We believe that caring for God's people involves every member being known personally, taught pastorally, led biblically, and protected spiritually. The elders at River are committed to making sure every household in our congregation has a shepherd personally caring for them. So how are we going to begin? As I've said, every member at River has been chosen by one of our elders. Every family has an elder who chose you because they wanted to care for you personally. I think that's a big thing. As a first step, every one of our elders here has committed to contacting you before Memorial Day. Uh, Hopefully well before then. Don't wait. Don't be procrastinators, fellas. Uh, And letting you know that they are your elder who is looking after you and praying for you. What can you do? You can receive their offers to shepherd you. Let them pray for you. Let them know what's on your heart. Communicate with them your concerns and needs. And pray for them. Help encourage them. Peter finishes his call to shepherding with a proverb that gives us the direction and encouragement that we need to commit to shepherding as a church. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. As we have committed to humbly living out shepherding care in this church, we can be assured God will provide us all the grace that we need. For as he tells us, he is our shepherd. We shall not want. Amen?